0: You know, we also have this realization, you know, some businesses might think, oh, well, that's niche. You know, how many of neurodivergent kids are there really? But that's, well, A, you know, it's easy to underestimate just how many. There's also like categorical thinking. Like it's not just people who are kind of categorized as neurodivergent who are different. Everyone is different. (laughs) The idea that there's like one dominant way of thinking is just wrong. (laughs) <laughs> and so you start to realize that by intentionally seeking to serve communities who are underserved and who have you know unique needs, you're actually developing the capability to serve everyone better.
1: Welcome to Tilt Parenting, a podcast featuring interviews and conversations aimed at inspiring, informing, and supporting parents raising differently wired kids. I'm your host, Debbie Reber. If you've been listening to this season of the podcast, you know that the online learning platform OutSchool has been the sole sponsor. I was really excited to work with OutSchool because I truly believe in its mission and the learning opportunities it provides for differently wired kids. So I really enjoyed getting to have this conversation with OutSchool co-founder and CEO Amir Nathu about alternative education models and why they're so critical in preparing all kids for the future as well as to get an inside look into the mission and vision for OutSchool, learn more about how they successfully create community through their virtual classes, and ways in which their classes are designed to support students with different learning styles. Before founding OutSchool, my guest Amir Nathu worked at Square, leading the development of Square Payroll, and previously he served as CEO and co-founder of Trigger.io, a development platform for creating native mobile apps. Amir holds a Master in Engineering in Electrical and Information Sciences from the University of Cambridge. He lives in San Francisco with his wife, Kirsty and their two children. And if this conversation sparks you to explore and enroll in classes at OutSchool, be sure to use the code TILT to get a $20 credit toward your first class. Thanks so much. And now here is my conversation with OutSchool founder and CEO, Amir Nathu. Hey, Amir, welcome to the podcast.
0: It's fantastic to be here. Good to be talking to you.
1: Yeah, this is a different kind of a conversation than we usually have on this show, but I really think the timing's perfect with just what we've seen in education in the past couple years, I feel like. The world is changing so fast and what OutSchool offers and how it supports students of all kinds, I think is really exciting. So I want to get into that. But before we do that, would you tell us a little bit about yourself? I would really like to hear a little bit of your story and how you came to co-found OutSchool.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, there were many influences on me in founding OutSchool. A key one was my own experiences when I was young of learning outside of school. I went to some fantastic schools. I grew up in England. I went to a selective uh, state school and I studied at the University of Cambridge. But some of the most meaningful, impactful learning experiences for me happened outside of school. And I'm really grateful for my parents for that because I was very lucky in having both parents as being teachers. And they supported me a lot, both in my core schoolwork, but also in other learning experiences. And a specific key learning experience for me was when my dad bought me an early computer to play computer games on when I was somewhere between five and seven years old. And he saw my interests over time to actually start programming my own computer games. And he helped me find resources to nurture my interest in computers. Not because he thought it was going to turn into like a career or an important thing. There was no clue of that back then. But just because he and my mom both believed in helping me to pursue interests. And, you know, that was an absolute key influence because you know out school is all about enabling kids to pursue their interests outside of regular school that's where the name comes from so that was a key influence amongst you know many others in terms of like thinking about where the world of education is going and what's going to be needed for the future
1: i'm curious to know how it's connected to your personal why like on a deeper level what makes you so excited about the work that you do and what you're doing for kids all over the world
0: Well, you know, I got to think about my own education and and, the influences that I just talked about because, you know, around the time when I was thinking about my next startup and what I wanted to build next, I was also thinking about starting a family. So that led me uh, down that train of thought because I wanted to kind of integrate my life and have my work be meaningful and relevant to my family and future family. So I didn't have kids back then when we found out school in 2015. Now I have a three and a half year old and a one year old. And on my 35 year old's on his third birthday, he finally got to take out-school classes. And, you know, I was really kind of excited, really worried as to whether he would actually like it because I kind of built the whole thing for him. <laughs> I'm very happy to say he really enjoyed it. You know, dad's over-enthusiasm didn't put him off. And now he takes like three or four classes a week on, on top of his, you know, part-time preschool. And so just like building the kind of educational products that was both influenced by my learnings from when I was a kid and then also relevant to, to my own family was very, very important to me.
1: I'm curious to know what that first class was.
0: <laughs> I think it was one about planets. We've done so many since, it's actually hard to remember. I, I took two or, two or three with him on that first day. There was one about planets. There was one about yeah, marine mammals. And one which was just like story time. So, yeah, they they were really good. Now he takes one on numbers. He has a uh, a weekly show and tell class where the kids kind of show their toys to each other and you know, practice kind of, kind of social skills of taking turns and all of that. So obviously very age appropriate for three year olds. But, you know, the great thing is, like, we cover classes from age three to 18. So my hope is <laughs> this will be part of his education for, for many, many years.
1: For sure. That's awesome. I homeschooled my child. My child's going to be a senior in high school in a few weeks. But we homeschooled for six years. And we took, I think it was a Minecraft out school class many, many years ago. And there weren't that many classes to choose from. I think it was earlier on in, in out school. Now there are so many classes to choose from. I'd love to hear a little bit about that kind of growth. And again, in the context of What's happening in the world? Like, I imagine that COVID was really interesting time for Outschool and for other online learning platforms, because I feel like it really changed everything. It changed everything in terms of how we view learning, recognizing that some kids learn better online, some kids don't, some kids need more interaction. Like, it's just very interesting time. So I'd love to hear a little bit about Outschool through COVID and kind of what that path has looked like, that growth.
0: Yeah, you know, it's been a very interesting time of change through COVID, as you might imagine, in education in general, and especially with online education. And we now have over 10,000 teachers teaching 140,000 classes, when at the start of COVID, we had 1000 teachers. And at the start of COVID, I think we'd served 80,000 learners, and now we've served over a million learners worldwide. So it's been a time of incredible change when I think about it, I, I also think about our roots and how we started, which is still very, very relevant today. And it's interesting that you brought up homeschooling because that was also a key influence. You know, I've talked about other key influences, You know, the personal one of wanting to, to build something that my own kids would use and then realizing, based on my own experiences, the power and importance of out-of-school learning. Well, when we started, we identified a group of families who are already did out of school learning and were innovating. And those were secular homeschoolers. And we realized that no one had really built a platform for them. And so we conceived OutSchool as a platform initially for homeschoolers and then bringing some of the philosophy and the ideas from homeschooling and especially kind of unschooling and self directed learning philosophies into mainstream education. And, you know, what COVID did, apart from, you know, very much accelerating our business, I think it has also forced parents to really take a hard look at their educational choices. First, because they had no choice in doing so, everything changed overnight. And of course, what parents experienced during COVID wasn't homeschooling, it was some variants of school at home for the most part. But in the process of that change, I think it knocked a lot of families out of their default mode of thinking about education. And some formed learning pods, others realized the kind of material and methods that were being used inside a regular school and realized that really wasn't working for their kid. And still others found different ways of learning that did work for their kid. And so I think what has happened coming out of COVID is, yes, to a certain degree, things have returned to normal, but the challenges with the school system have been exacerbated. And families' eyes have been opened both to what their kids really, really need and to other alternatives. And so that's why OutSchool has continued to see tremendous growth coming out of COVID. And, you know, in general, there's been like big changes in terms of families' adoption of homeschooling or adoption of alternative education methods. And I I don't think this is just about online learning. It's also the philosophy of education and just the realisation more viscerally for many families that what they thought was the default doesn't work for their family.
1: Yeah. And isn't necessarily preparing kids for the future in the way that used to be, right? I've done a couple episodes on the show about the future of education, about the importance of self-directed learning, about the gifts that neurodivergent kids have? And how do we tap into those strengths through these alternative paths? And also, what is the future going to look like for these kids? And knowing that their trajectory is, is not necessarily going to look the same. And so that's what gets me really excited about everything that is available through out school and just all of the new alternatives that are happening for learners everywhere. It's a really exciting time, I think.
0: I think it is in terms of the options that I don't think there has ever been a time that there are more options in terms of educational philosophy, access to teachers and subjects. You know, the, the promise of the internet was that we'd have you know human knowledge and um, increasingly kind of human connection and other people at our fingertips, and that is, that has played out and has transformed various industries. Education has been slower to transform in the light of that, but I think that's been has been happening and is happening at accelerated right now. And it it must happen. But as you point out, yeah, I think there's a lot of anxiety and rightly so amongst families. And how can we prepare, best prepare our kids for the future when things are changing so fast and the standard path no longer seems enough or, you know, you just do the right things, get your grades in school, get a college degree and you'll be fine. I don't think anyone really believes that anymore. It's not enough. It's not staying future-proof things will have to change in a much larger and more dramatic way and faster. And there's limits to how fast that change can happen within very large institutions of the regular school system. That's not to say it won't happen. I'm, I think schools will evolve too. But, you know, there needs to be other methods developed in parallel.
1: We'll be right back after this quick break. There's so much more to maintaining a healthy gut microbiome than eating a balanced and healthy diet, travel, certain medications, and of course, Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at Ritual.com slash Tilt. Start Ritual or add Symbiotic Plus to your subscription today. That's Ritual.com slash Tilt for 25% off. We just celebrated our two-year anniversary of Gotcha Day when we adopted our sweet Haskell, my cat who acts like a dog, plays fetch, and who I'm pretty sure has sensory processing differences are you getting a new pet soon? That means you'll need to think about getting the necessities like food, toys, a bed. Something you may not be thinking about though is pet insurance. That's why you should check out ASPCA Pet Health Insurance. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program offers customizable accident and illness plans, making it easier for pet parents like you to help your pet get the care they may need. The ASPCA Pet Health Insurance Program has been around for over 18 years and they've helped more than 600,000 pets during that time. They allow you to customize your plan, helping ensure that your pet's plan is as unique as they are because vet bills can really add up, especially when you're least expecting it. It's simple. Use their app to submit a claim and you'll receive reimbursement for eligible vet bills directly into your bank account. To explore coverage, visit parenting. I do think there are some families who are still holding on, like they're not ready to give up that path that the way that it's always looked. But what I see, and that excites me is, it's almost like this is democratizing learning in a whole new way. It's just providing so much more access to so many subjects and, and interests, you know, ways to dive deep into areas of interest that wasn't possible before. And that's, I think it's really cool. I would love to talk about the social and community piece, because that is something that, especially for homeschoolers, that was something that was always really important to me. It's hard to create community, I guess, it, virtually, or it can be, but it is, you really have designed this to be a social and community-based experience. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And you know, as you point out, our online classes aren't one-on-one tutoring exclusively. You know, There are many companies that like, focus on one-on-one tutoring, We do have one-on-one teaching on our site, but from the get-go, this was all about a core of small group classes. And I think small group classes have tremendous benefits in terms of learners learning from each other, the engagement that that creates, and also just the perspective widening that it can create to kind of be in class and get to know people from around the country, around the world, people from different backgrounds and, and from different perspectives. And so we've always seen the small group format as caught out school and as transformative. And there's plenty of studies that have been done that suggest the format is more engaging and small groups as opposed to kind of large classes or just content get better results. And then the economics are also compelling as parents can pay less than one-on-one tutoring for a more engaging experience and teachers can earn more. So it's always been a, a key part of it. And that connection between learners and a teacher kind of live is core to what we do, and I believe is the, is the future of education. I don't see a world where families are happy to have their kids learn from an AI. I think that the core value in education is kids coming together with other kids and facilitators or coaches or you know, trained adults to develop together. And how they do that, and what the subjects are—all that stuff will change. And yes, there'll be certain subjects like maybe language learning, where you can kind of learn an automated way through the, through an app. Sure, that will be there. But you know, fundamentally, I think education learning is like exploration of what it means to be human and what the current state of human knowledge is and achieve in a group. So you know, I see that as intrinsic. And yeah, you know, in a world where it's more and more difficult to get you genuine human connection where you might not even know your neighbor or you want to personalize your kids education and take homeschooling route but then where's your community it's going to be more and more important that there exists you know alternative communities and we try and create that through throughout school around learning not just in class but also just in you know our parents and, and teacher groups that's always been part of our thesis about the kind of future of education and, and, and what we provide.
1: So I know that one of OutSchool's core values is to celebrate individuality. And that's something that, again, like gets me excited. And everyone listening to the show is either parenting or supporting neurodivergent kid or kids. And they all have their own unique learning styles and challenges and strengths. And so I'm just wondering, what does that actually look like in action? What does it look like to support different types of learners? And and how does that show up in OutSchool?
0: That's a, such an interesting question. We've had so many neurodivergent kids and families attracted to us from the very earliest days. And I think the, the reason is the tremendous variety that we provide, both in terms of like learning groups, the topics, the teachers that couldn't possibly be available locally, in conjunction with the flexibility that we have in teachers able to offer age ranges rather than you know, set classes that are for particular age or grade level teachers able to offer unusual classes that would not typically be offered for a particular age level and thus through the marketplace hits particular individualized needs that are very very difficult to satisfy elsewhere like the very very first class on our school and when we we're just testing the idea and testing the prototype was a friend of mine who was a grad student at UCSF studying stem cells and he offered a class and I said hey look Why don't we try and have you offer a class? He's a very kind of charismatic speaker. Just try and offer a class on stem cells for 12-year-olds, for gifted 12-year-olds, and we'll just see if there's any demand for it. Sold out. So stuff like that, just unusual topics presented in interesting ways for age ranges or environments where they're not typically offered. And that's the real strength of both the marketplace model, where teachers are free to experiment in meeting those unique needs and both the strength of the live online format, where it'd be very hard to meet all those unique needs kind of locally. And whereas when you have the whole world at your fingertips, it becomes much easier. So for that reason, we've always, always, always attracted, you know, neurodivergent kids and families. And then, you know, we also have this realization, you know, some businesses might think, oh, well, that's niche. You know, how many of neurodivergent kids are there really? But that's, well, A, you know, it's easy to underestimate just how many. There's also like categorical thinking. Like it's not just people who are kind of categorized as neurodivergent who are different. Everyone is different. <laughs> the idea that there's like one dominant way of thinking is just wrong. <laughs> and so you start to realize that by intentionally seeking to serve communities who are underserved and who have you know, unique needs, you're actually developing the capability to serve everyone better. And that's why we have always focused on serving underserved communities, including kind of neurodivergent families and kids. And, and that's intrinsic to kind of how we operate. And so, you know, it's hard though, you know, uh, as we've grown, we, we need to continue to educate teachers and other families on what it means to be in a class with families and kids from from different backgrounds. And that's a continual area of investment for us to really kind of educate the overall world and market about the issues here. And sorry, this is an area that also excites me. So I'm talking a lot I will say one more thing along those lines, you know, one thing I'm personally involved with is donating to and supporting, you know, an upcoming documentary called the G word, G being gifted, which aims to challenge some misconceptions about giftedness and to kind of explain, in a kind of in a public and accessible way what it is. And so raise awareness around issues like that.
1: Nice plug for the G word. I'm on the advisory board for that documentary. And so I'm so glad you mentioned it. And Mark, or someone from the team is going to be back on the show in the fall to celebrate gifted and talented awareness week. So that's awesome. We'll be right back after this quick break. Hey there, it's Debbie. I love making this show and sharing conversations about how to support our awesome neurodivergent kids. I've seen how even one little insight from an interview can spark a big shift in daily life. But I know that raising complex kids can be messy and lonely. And just when we think we figured it out, something comes up that boots us right back to feeling overwhelmed and stuck. That's why I've poured everything into creating a way for parents like us navigating complex parenting journeys to join together and chart a path that feels positive, hopeful, and doable. It's the brand new Differently Wired Club experience. In the club, you'll get personal support from me and other seasoned parent coaches, six live calls every month where you can connect and get your personal questions answered my brain. I want to go in so many different directions, but I'm going to rein it in. But I will just say it is really interesting, I think, to talking about part of your work is educating families and parents and the bigger community about all the variances, right? Not just neurodivergence, but this global community. I just interviewed Dr. Joseph Lee for the podcast, and we were talking about social emotional learning. And it's just—it's all just so important that we have exposure to different types of people, and kind of deepen our awareness and understanding of how other people move through the world. So that's really cool aspect of what you're doing. I did want to talk about teachers, you said you have 10,000 teachers. So I'm, (laughs) I'm just curious, how do you vet and find teachers for all of these classes and get them on board? Because the community you're serving is always growing and evolving. And it's just kind of a moving target.
0: Yeah, you know, we, we invest a lot of effort there and have teams focused on you know our teacher onboarding, teacher approval, class approval, so we can vet for quality and expertise and for safety with background checks, and then of course you know various professional development offerings that we offer to teachers so that they can both be successful on our platform from a business perspective, but also introducing them to you know, best practices that, that we've learned over time, make for a make for a great out-school class and an inclusive experience on the platform. So, we invest there both in terms of full-time team members and a team focused on all of that. But then also, you know, that expands out into our community. So, you know, we have things like we contract some teachers from our community to help with that. So, it's not just like our full-time team members, but it's community members helping with that. And, you know, ambassador programs where, you know, experienced out-school teachers share their knowledge. I think... Outschool is this multi-layered organization. Whereas, yes, there's the the business, but then there's the community surrounding it, and we really try to integrate our business and our team into that community in order to have the impact that we want.
1: And in terms of the classes, so listeners, if you haven't been on Outschool's website, you should check it out because, like, even in the life skills category, there's it's a goldmine. Like, I'm just curious how you go about coming up with those classes. There were so many classes in there that are very specific to the needs of certainly my community in terms of like life skills and ADHD and organization, executive function, all those pieces. So any insight you can give us into how you go about developing those classes?
0: You know, there's so many ideas for potential classes on OutSchool and also sources of inspiration to tap on. The first place we ask teachers to tap on for inspiration is their own interests and passions. Because we find that you know, when teachers are truly engaged by the content themselves, that's when they're going to offer the best experiences. And almost any niche of interest that a teacher has, they're going to find a group of learners who, for whom that's the perfect class. So the first thing we say is just kind of almost like, follow your heart. <laughs> what is it that you really want to teach? What is it that you would have wished to have heard when you were a kid? The second source of inspiration for ideas that we, we tell teachers to focus on is just ask kids, ask parents. And we provide features on our site that help with that. For example, we have a request a class button where if you get to the end of a search page and you haven't found what you wanted or at the bottom of our homepage, you know you can type in in just plain text what kind of classes you're looking for. And we send that to our teachers on a regular basis. And that can provide inspiration and new ideas that they, they would never have thought of. And you know that's the beauty of you know, education and human knowledge is there's just no end to where you could take it. It's not like this is a marketplace of products where there's only kind of like a a various, few different types that you can manufacture or a few different variants. There's no end to the way that teachers can innovate or combine different subjects or teach different materials in different ways. And it's that kind of playing with the materials and coming up with new and interesting ways to approach learning. And that really inspires kind of kids, kids and families to come to our school. So we really, really encourage it.
1: Yeah, that's great. I'm wondering what the most obscure class is that you can think of that was maybe suggested or that you guys have created.
0: (laughs) The most obscure? Oh, that's interesting. I've not actually had that question before. Often people want to know the most popular, which is very hard to answer because like what's popular for one group is different for another and et cetera, et cetera. Or the most fun. I'm not sure what the most obscure is because almost by definition, I probably (laughs)
2: wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't, (laughs) know this. (laughs)
0: <laughs> but I'll tell you what, what springs to mind. It's not really obscure at all. It's just like cat anatomy taught by a vet is one I keep coming back to. It's like, whoa, that sounds cool. Like I wish biology had be taught that way when I was a kid. I might I might still, you know, I might have taken it for a lot longer. Oh, another one that I think is absolutely brilliant and is a very popular class on the site is the science of farts. <laughs> and it's, it's really popular. Obviously, because kids love it, because you know, farts are hilarious. And But actually, parents really report that the class is like excellent science, like really excellent science as well as being fun. So that's another kind of perfect kind of example of, of stuff on OutSchool. First of all,
1: this audience, our kids have tend to, many of them have very obscure interests. My child was really into heraldry for like a good year, year and a half. Do you have any heraldry classes on OutSchool?
0: I would have to look, when people ask me this, I do a search. I'm like, oh, well, we have heraldry classes. I had no idea whether, that we had heraldry classes. So honestly, I'd have to search. <laughs> so I, I can't say for sure, but it's like one click away. I'd encourage your listeners to go and plug into the search box, you know, the most kind of obscure interest that they had. We really try and bring this idea of interest-based learning into the company. And at one of our recent kickoff events, we studied the Japanese art of kintsugi which is about, you know, taking an object that has been broken, I'm holding one in my, my hand right now, and, you know, repairing it to be even more beautiful than, than it was before using using various techniques. So, you know, things like that, obscure arts or interesting niche history topics. Yeah, that, that's what OutSchool is all about.
1: I can imagine a lot of listeners, including myself, being like, I'm going to see what classes I might be taking on OutSchool too, because Yeah. Pretty fascinating. As a way to kind of wrap up, I'd love to know for parents listening who are newer to the world of online learning, maybe their kids have been in traditional schools, they're not homeschooling, and they might want to explore whether it's out school or any kind of online learning platforms for enrichment opportunities, get their kids more excited about things. Do you have any kind of best practices for vetting or kind of identifying programs that might be a good fit for their kids?
0: Yes. I mean, I guess the first thing to say is, I think you can dip your feet in the water with online learning. That's the great thing about it. You can just come to Outschool and take a one-time class or join a program that just meets one time a week and see how it goes. So it's easy to get started. It's important to be kind of clear about your schedule so that you know when you're looking for classes, because, you know, it can be a bit disheartening if you find a class and then realize the schedule's not going to work. So I recommend coming to the site and, and, you know, being clear about when you're looking for the class. I think the most important thing by far, though, is doing it with your learner. It doesn't have to be at the same time. Maybe you take a look and pick out a few classes and then show it to them. But you know, the most important thing is that your learner really wants to be there. And that's you know, what we strongly encourage in our classes. We don't want learners in classes who are not really wanting to be there and actively participate interested in the topic. So that's by far the, the most important thing. There's a lot of other pieces to it, like, you know, just making sure that uh, you have the right connection, you've got a computer with a, a microphone, a webcam, thankfully, these days, you know, so many people have access to that, that kind of technology, but you know, doing a quick tech check is usually pretty straightforward. But yeah, the most important thing is like picking the right, the right class, and that's really going to inspire your kid.
1: I'm just kind of curious, because you seem like someone who has a lot of ideas and likes to innovate. So is there something you can share like that you're really excited about in the direction you're taking out school or something that you are working on kind of like what's next? Like, where are you going? That's the big question that you can share.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> there are so many things that, uh, in uh, what's next and my brain tends to go in multiple directions at once. And I, you know, have learned to kind of raise it in. So I will pick just one. and And that is we continue to build more and more features into the product to make it, more learner centric and more learner driven. We had to build it first so that you know, parents can find classes and pay, and that teachers can offer the subjects that, that they offer and be successful in managing all the logistics. But at our core, we're trying to create a product that really embodies what we've learned from the homeschooling community about self directed learning and giving kids autonomy and putting kids in charge. And while there are many aspects of our school which enable that today, there are also many gaps. Like it should be possible for learners to sign up to class directly, to search classes, to find the teachers, even to be in self-moderated groups where they're learning together with, in, with moderation and safety, but not necessarily with a teacher leading. And so a lot of our thinking about kind of future, kind of strategic direction and product work is putting that control in the hands of learners. I'd love us to get to the point where, I don't know, maybe learners are, earning credit for their participation in outschool school classes, and as a result, accumulating financial power in order to like make their own choices about their education on our school, getting to kind of the crux of what autonomy for, for learners really means.
1: That's exciting. Awesome. Okay, so any last thoughts, something you want to leave listeners with before we say goodbye?
0: I would just say that the last few years of change and challenge in the world have been super difficult but I've never been more optimistic about what could happen in education in the next few years and a lot of the innovation uh, that is happening isn't happening in tech companies like us it's happening in families who are experimenting and discovering what's really needed for the future and what's really needed for their learner and from our perspective we just we just learn from those families. So I feel really kind of privileged and excited to be part of you know, various communities of families and so excited to talk to you and, and talk to your listeners today.
1: Awesome. Thank you. What a nice note to end this on. Thank you for everything you shared and taking us kind of behind the curtains about school a little bit today. And yeah, thank you. And look forward to sharing this with listeners.
0: Thank you. It's been a pleasure.
1: You've been listening to the Tilt Parenting Podcast. To go deeper into this episode, visit the extensive show notes page. For every episode, there's a dedicated page on my website with links to all the resources mentioned, a full transcript and a podcast player with key takeaways marked so you can easily go back and re-listen to the sections you're most interested in. Just go to tiltparenting.com podcast and select this episode. The Tilt Parenting Podcast is hosted by me, Debbie Reber, author of the book Differently Wired and the founder of Tilt Parenting. This episode was edited by Andrea Curtis Amasquita and show notes were put together by myself, Andrea and Lindsay McFadden. If you get a lot out of this podcast and want to help cover the cost of its production, please consider joining my Patreon campaign. On Patreon, you can sign up to make a small monthly contribution, as little as $2 a month, and it's super easy to sign up. Just go to patreon.com slash to learn more or click on the Patreon link on any show notes page. To follow Tilt Parenting on social media, go to at Tilt Parenting on Instagram and Twitter and on Facebook lastly, please help this podcast stay visible and easily found by the listeners who need it by subscribing and leaving a rating or review on Apple podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much. And that's all for this week. Stay safe, stay well and take good care. And for more information about this podcast or any of the resources that Tilt offers, visit tiltparenting.com.